The Wellness Hub by Karen Kelly. So I'm very excited to introduce my guest today because it's a topic I think we'd, we all want to learn more about. So I'd like to introduce Dr. Yas. He's a physical therapist and author of The Pain Cure, the Yas method of diagnosing and resolving, resolving chronic pain. So welcome, Dr. Yas. Or shall I call you Mitch? You could call me Mitch. I'm all good with that. <laughs> so you're not from the UK. What part of the world are you in, Mitch? Tell us where you are. So right now I'm in Jacksonville, Florida. From my accent, most people should figure out I grew up in New York. Yeah. So how long have you been in Jacksonville then? Have you did you move when you were younger or is it a recent? No, move no. To New York? I, I moved to Florida in 2010. I moved to South Florida. And then um, in 2015, I moved to Jacksonville, which is the very northeastern tip of Florida. Yeah. So you just we're just talking about north and south and the differences, but you prefer North Florida, don't you? Yes, because first off, in terms of natural beauty, uh, but also because you actually get four seasons here. So yeah. in the winter, it'll actually get down to the 30s. There's even a little frost on the ground. You don't really get that in South Florida. No, so you can escape the heat, can't you, in North Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Wonderful. So we're going to be talking about the YAS method and chronic pain. So first of all, let's talk about chronic pain. What is it and what different types are there of chronic pain? Okay. So if we're going to talk about chronic pain, you have to understand that chronic pain derives from acute pain. Right. So you have to first say, what's acute pain? Okay. What's acute pain? <laughs> so, <laughs> what's acute pain, Dr. Mitch? <laughs> so you're having pain somewhere on your body. And the typical premise is that you're going to go seek care through the medical system. You're going to get an MRI because that is the gold standard for identifying the cause of pain. And it's going to show up a structural variation, a herniated disc, stenosis, arthritis, a meniscal tear, compression fracture. And since it is found for the first time at the time of your pain, it is asserted to be the cause of your pain. That is the premise by which everyone gets diagnosed. What you don't know is that is a method called correlative theory or junk science. It is the equivalent of saying, if I open my front door, when the sun rises, I can say opening my front door causes the sun to rise. I'm with you. I'm with Clearly you. insane. Okay. So you mentioned that I am a physical therapist, but I would simply identify that that is what my degree is in. That is what my credential is. I figured the YAS method out after I went to medical school for this very reason. So we've just acknowledged that the standard thing you're going to find is that you're going to be told that the problem in your back is a herniated disc or stenosis at the knee. It's arthritis or meniscal tear. What I figured out when I first started treating people was that the symptoms the person was expressing were not the symptoms that you would have to have if the identified structural variation was to cause pain. Okay, okay, you might have to break that down. So just say that again for me and let's just sort of examine that little sure. part. That little so sentence. I'll give you a couple, I'm gonna give you two great examples that the common lay person's gonna understand. Okay. Let's say you're having pain in your lower back and it's two to three inches away from your spine on the side of your lower back, okay? Okay. Now you go and you get an X-ray or an MRI and they find a compression fracture at L4. 
okay. lumbar disc, lumbar vertebrae four. Yeah. So you would be told that since the compression fracture is found that the first time at the time you're having pain two to three inches off your spine, it is the cause. Now, right. Well, clearly it can't be, can it? Clearly, obviously, ah, what, what, why logically can it be? Because a compression fracture would only cause pain at the compression site, well, which would course. be the vertebrae. Surely that they know that. No, no, no. That's where you're wrong because nobody's asking about your symptoms. They're just the premise what's in front of them. Whatever that MRI says, that's the gold standard. Yeah, I'm with right? You. There's no attempt to understand symptoms. So I'll make it again clear. So you have pain around your kneecap. You then get an MRI and it says you have a meniscal tear. What you want to understand is that the meniscus lies between the thigh bone and lower leg bone. The place where that would present pain is something called the joint line on either side of your knee, which is the space between the thigh bone and lower leg bone. But you're complaining of pain around your kneecap. That's a separate joint, the joint between the kneecap and the thigh bone. So you're having a structural variation at one joint and you're being told it's creating pain at another joint. Yeah. If okay. you're willing to accept that, then you could say that your ankle pain is from arthritis of your elbow. I mean, if you <laughs> want to accept that. So basically, yes, it starts off as acute pain in these areas or different parts of our bodies, and it's either not treated uh, properly and escalates and then it becomes a chronic pain. Right. So chronic pain, if you look above my head, is misdiagnosed acute pain. That's why it becomes chronic. It's not the same as chronic illness. We, we must be adamant in our understanding. Cirrhosis of the liver is a progressive degeneration of the liver. Stenosis of the mitral valve is degeneration of the mitral valve, right? These are degenerative properties existing. Chronic pain is simply the inability to identify the acute pain, the acute cause properly, which allows it to continue to elicit pain indefinitely, becoming chronic. So it's not that the tissue has degenerated. You just haven't found the actual cause, which can easily be resolved. And I suppose a lot of the time, no disrespect to any general practitioner, but we go along to our GP and they're so maybe there's a few people outside. They just want to treat what's in front of them and then and then say next, basically. So this pain does get overlooked. It could be years and years before that individual. Sure. Finds so let's, the, let's, you know, let's be clear. Treatment to suit them. No one's attacking any individual. No, no. I'm attacking a systemic <laughs> deficit, which is to say that for 40 years, instead of looking at symptoms to identify the tissue in distress eliciting those symptoms, which was done all the way prior to the advent of the MRI, now we simply look for structural variations and once identified for the first time, become the cause. Here's the big thing. And someone brought this up on another podcast. Let's say you bent down to pick something up and all of a sudden you get a whopping pain in your lower back. You did an activity and therefore the activity brought on the symptom. What tissue is responsible for activity? Your kidney, your liver, your spleen, or is it muscle? It's muscle, muscle right? Yeah. So we're going to assume that you bent down and you strained your lower back muscle. 
My question to you is, how does that show up on the MRI? Very simple question. We know it's a muscle causing your pain. How does it show up on the MRI? The answer is it doesn't. No. Okay. Is the medical specialties that you would go to educated or trained to identify that as the cause? No. So think of the logic. You've strained your lower back. You got an MRI. You found the herniated disc. They're going to treat the herniated disc because that's what showed up. And now going on and on and on as time's progressing, you're still trying to bend down. You're still trying to do stuff. You're still straining that lower back muscle and therefore it continues to elicit pain indefinitely. Now you can begin to understand why chronic pain exists. Yeah. More than 98% of cases, the cause of pain is muscular. Where do you think might be a bit of a deaf question, but where is the most common form of chronic pain? Is it the back? Is it the leg? Is it the head? Yep. Where do you think? What do you hear about most often? Well, I, I've been treating for almost three decades now, and I've treated thousands, so I think I have a good understanding. It's definitely the lower back, then followed by knee pain, hip pain, shoulder pain, uh, neck falls in there, but but certainly back, hip, and knee region pain are the most. So you say, why? Well, we don't walk on our hands. We don't climb stairs on our hands. So we weight bear through our legs, which means those are the muscles most responsible for function. And if the force requirement for doing activity is greater than the force output of the muscles, the ability to push against gravity, they're going to strain and elicit pain. So you're okay. going to get pain anywhere in the lower leg to the lower back. So what about people that maybe have been involved in major accidents, like a car accident and their legs being crushed. They've had it fixed, but it's not been, I was never going to get the same um, mobility in there, but they suffer with chronic pain. Can your method help with that? So, so let's, let's try to be really clear about what is the, what is the purpose of diagnostics? The purpose of diagnostics is to identify a tissue in distress. Let's be very clear. You don't treat pain. You treat tissues eliciting pain. Right. So let's say you were in a car accident and I just had this discussion. Let's say you're diagnosed with whiplash yeah. as the cause of your pain in your neck. Can you point to an anatomy chart and point to whiplash as a tissue? I, really. I don't think so. I've never heard whiplash as a tissue. It's not a bone. So then how do you treat whiplash? If you're not identifying a tissue, how do you know what you're treating? Are you treating a bone? Are you treating a nerve? Are you treating a muscle? So you're not treating a tissue. Therefore, whatever treatment you're getting is nonspecific. So it shouldn't be shocking that it's not going to address a tissue, thereby ending the distress of that tissue and its need to elicit pain. So basically, so I don't, yeah. when they wear the neck brace, which most people do for whiplash, it's probably not even doing anything. That is correct. If anything, God forbid the cause was a muscle strain. Now you're causing your muscles to not have to work and support you, which is actually weakening them. You're literally inciting yourself to have greater pain for a longer period of time by wearing that neck brace. So we talked about acute pain becoming chronic pain. Is it obvious when it becomes chronic, unbearable so, to live with? What, what point does it kind of switch over? It's actually a definition. 
Chronic pain simply means pain greater than three, continuous pain greater than three to six months. By definition, that is chronic pain. Intensity of pain doesn't measure chronic pain. It's it's longevity. Right. Pain, consistent pain greater than three to six months by definition is identified as chronic pain. Wow, I didn't know that. I thought it would be the the, the intensity of it rather than the length of it. Yeah, so Dr. Yas, we're just going to take a short break, but we'll come back and we're going to talk about how you look at the treatment of chronic pain based purely on logic and then and and analysis. Be back in a sec. Let me introduce our sponsor, Everything Genetic Limited, specialists in preventative healthcare testing, helping people to identify to see if they are at risk of developing common hereditary cancers and heart conditions. Based in Nantwich, Cheshire, they partner with some of the UK's market-leading laboratories, supplying revolutionary genetic tests to healthcare providers and patients for the detection, diagnosis and treatment planning of cancer, heart disease and other illnesses. One of their main aims is to democratise genetic testing, meaning everyone can take control of their own well-being and healthcare to detect any problems at an early stage when they are most treatable. They also offer a COVID testing service which is on the government list, initially launched to support clinical partners who were unable to get patients in during the pandemic. This service enables patients to come back into clinics to resume all important cancer testing and is available through over 200 partner companies. They offer a comprehensive range of coronavirus COVID-19 test kits and services for individuals, healthcare providers and employers. For more information, visit their website, everythinggeneticlimited.co.uk. So welcome back. I'd like to reintroduce Dr. Yas, who's the uh, physical therapist and author of The Pain Cure, the Yas method of diagnosing and resolving chronic pain. So Dr. Yas, Mitch, let's talk about how you treat chronic pain. Talk us through it. What's your method? What's the Yas method? Cool. So let's, again, we'll try to do a couple of examples. I think that's the best way for people to understand. It is extremely common for people to have pain in the upper trap region, right? So typically you're going to go, you're going to get an MRI. People think that this area is associated with the cervical spine. So if you have pain in this area, it's associated. So I'm going to get a cervical spine MRI, find a structural variation, blah, blah, blah. That supposedly is told to be the cause of their pain. Let's just... For our listeners, I know you're pointing to it. This is on your shoulders near your neck. Yeah, the upper trap region is that gap, that area between the neck and the shoulder. Yeah, just in case listeners can't quite picture it, okay? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So first of all, if you were told that it was from a herniated disc or stenosis from the cervical spine, where would you think you'd have to press to incite that pain? On the cervical spine. Yeah. Right. So you could press on there and you're never going to bring it on right? You're being told it's referred. That's what that means. Okay. So then I press in this spot and in that spot in the upper trap region, and I bring on your pain, right? That is what is known as point tender pain, which is to say that the tissue I'm pressing on is the tissue creating your pain. Okay. That is a muscle called the levator scapula, Latin for elevate the shoulder blade. So although people perceive this as relating to the cervical spine, It's actually a shoulder and shoulder blade muscle. So this muscle 
would only break down if other muscles associated with shoulder function would have broken down already, causing that to overwork, compensate, and elicit pain. So the YAS method will evaluate you for changes in strength, which can relate to posture, movement, and where you have your pain and would establish which other muscles may have broken down first. We would then go through the process of using progressive resistance exercise to strengthen those muscles, thereby ending the need for the levator scapula to break down and elicit pain. So where everybody is being told to do range of motion of their neck. Or even have a massage. Right, or get a massage, right? I'm going to have you strengthen the appropriate muscles to resolve the muscular deficit creating your pain. Yeah, because you do the simple test to determine, don't you, whether it's pain, muscular or structural. So talk me through these tests that you do again. So let's give, let's look at the lower back. Let's say you're having pain on the right side of your lower back. Yeah. Okay. We've established that, not I've established, it's just the reality of life, that muscles are responsible for posture and movement pattern, as well as movement and function. So let's say you have having pain at your right lower back. I might do a test and I'm going to look at you from the front and I'm going to put my hands on your pelvic rims, which are the top of your pelvises. And I might find that your right side of your pelvis is higher than the left side. Okay, well, what would that represent? Well, the pelvis should be maintained level. And if one side is higher than the other, that tells you that the muscles responsible for keeping the pelvis level, one of them has strained. So let's say that the left hip muscle that's responsible for keeping the pelvis level when you're standing on your left leg is weak. A muscle in the lower back on the opposite side is going to try to assist, compensate, assist, yeah. okay, to pull yeah. the right side up. Well, the lower back muscle wasn't designed to have that load. It's just designed to transmit weight from the upper body to the lower body. So it's going to strain. And in its straining, it shortens. And when it shortens, not only will it elicit pain, but it's going to pull its attachment point of the pelvis as well. up towards the ribs. So when you see the pelvis higher on the right side, that is a corroborating symptom along with pain of a muscular cause. In this case, that the left hip muscle is weak, causing the right lower back muscle to overwork and compensate. The other corroborating symptom would be, oh, could you stand on your right foot? Sure you could. When you go to stand on your left foot, you're gonna find you're losing your balance. Right, okay. Because so, that left hip muscle was weak. So what would the YAS method do to, to help cure that issue then? So I've recognized, and I would give you a narrative that your right lower back muscle is being caused by a strained left hip muscle, causing the right lower back muscle to strain, compensate, and elicit pain. So if this was in person, I would do some massage of the hip muscle on the left and the right lower back muscle. And then I would have you perform a series of three to four exercises. And here's the interesting part. Your pain is on the right side, but we're not going to strengthen the right side because the cause is the left side. So what we're going to do is we're going to strengthen the left hip muscles, gluteal muscles, and posterior thigh muscles to allow you to fully weight bear on that left leg whenever you have to, 
And at that time when you're doing it, be able to keep your pelvis level, thereby stopping the right lower back muscle from having to compensate, strain, and elicit pain. So that's the key. Now, if you just strengthen arbitrarily, which you do in many forms of treatment, let's say you, you decide I'm going to strengthen both legs because I've got two legs. Well, what you don't understand is that if you're strengthening the right leg and the left leg and the left leg is weaker, you're sustaining the imbalance between your legs. Your right leg will always remain stronger. What you don't understand is that that makes the brain say, well, if the right leg is stronger, I'm really going to try to prevent you from weight bearing on the left leg because I don't want you to hurt yourself. So your brain will actually make you stop weight bearing on the left leg. In doing so, you're weakening your muscles because there's less load to support. So in strengthening both legs and keeping that in balance, you're literally keeping your left leg weaker, thereby making it susceptible to straining when you in fact weight bear on your left leg. So if one leg is causing your symptoms, you only strengthen one side. Right. Okay. Yeah, it makes sense. But of course, we've got two arms, two hands, two legs, two feet. What happens if we have chronic headaches? Mm. And, they're, and, they're, and maybe they've had an MRI or a CT scan. And how do we treat chronic headaches? Love it. Great brain? question. Great question. So we've established that you don't have a tumor or you have, don't have a brain bleed or anything like that. You certainly have to do that. What most people will talk about, and I've treated people with migraine headaches and cluster headaches, is the fact that beyond the headache itself, they also seem to find a high level of tension in yeah. the upper neck region. So what you want to understand is that the upper trapezius muscle actually attaches into the skull at something called the greater occipital protuberance. Okay, so if you have perfect posture, your head is directly over your shoulder, and with gravity pushing down vertically on your head, your skeleton is supporting you. Okay. But you have a job where you're on a computer. Bouching, and you're forward, right? Yeah. So you just put your head forward. Now gravity's pushing down on the back of your head. Well, that's creating a load that has to be supported. The muscles that support that are the muscles in the upper back region and the upper trap region. So you're gonna cause that upper trap muscle and other muscles related to it to strain. When they strain, they pull excessively on their attachment. The attachment to what? To your skull. Now, all bones have connective tissue surrounding them called periosteum. So your skull has this connective tissue around it. The muscle doesn't actually attach into bone. It actually attaches into the connective tissue. Connective tissue has the highest level of pain receptors of any tissue in the body because they connect stuff. So when you're pulling on the connective tissue surrounding the brain, it starts to incite pain receptors throughout the Everywhere connective else. tissue. Yes. And you have a migraine headache. So I have literally, and people think I'm making this up, 29 years, thousands of cases, I'm telling you now it's the fact. I have massaged out the neck muscles I have massaged out the chest muscles because that forward head is also drawing your shoulders forward. You'll see they have the rounded shoulder. I release all this. Then I perform four to five key exercises to strengthen the muscles that support the head and pull it back. Migraine headache gone. And it's really down to posture, isn't it? If we can teach people good posture at all times, like for example, working at a laptop now, working at a computer, people are standing more, aren't they? There's a 
you know, devices where you can lift standing your standing desk. Yeah, standing desk. You can move them up and down. But what I was going to bring up with you, and I'm not sure if you've heard of this, but obviously people now are looking at their TVs, which are on the wall. They're on the wall in their houses now, but they're higher up than where they would normally be on a stand. So as we watching TV, we're like that. Our necks are back and that's causing issues. And obviously the simple thing would be to move the TV back, <laughs> but the fashion is now. And um, if you see any housing programs, the TVs are high on the wall. Have you ever come across injuries or neck pain from that? Well, here's my preposition to everybody. So everything you try to do is against gravity. So there is a force requirement for everything you do. Other than laying flat on the floor, I don't care if you sit, stand, look at a TV, everything you do requires force. Yeah. And there are groups of muscles required to do every activity and they have to have a certain force output, the ability to push against gravity. So if you're having pain with different activities, if your choice is to modify the activity so that yeah. you find a way to do it, God, if you think that's your answer, good luck. Because tomorrow, another activity is going to come down and you're going to have to modify it. Or you could just strengthen all your muscles so that their force output is greater than the force requirement of any activity. And I don't really care what activity you do. You're never going to have pain with it. You're going to be able to do it to the fullest enjoyment that you so choose. So you make the choice. The person who buys the standing desk is so short-sighted. Yes, they had pain when they were sitting. That's not sitting. Sitting isn't the cause of the pain because if it was, everyone who sits should have pain. So logically, sitting isn't the cause of the pain. It's some muscular deficit that's being incited with sitting. Well, if you stand, you don't think that standing is going to have its own set of muscles exactly. required and that just yeah, in a question I, of time, now you're going to have problems with standing? So yeah. then what? Now side bending? A laying down? What are you going <laughs> to just keep trying? On your head? <laughs> Okay, I have a question for you then. So if the if the answer or if the prevention is to build our muscles, make them stronger, what tips can you give? What's the best exercises? How often do we need to be doing it so that when we do, for example, when we do watch our TVs and they're too high up or we sit at our desk and we're slouching our necks for a short time, what do you recommend? Give us some tips. Sure. So here's the great news about the YAS method. The YAS method is based on the laws of physics relating to weightlifting. This is all scientifically based, physiology, lots of things. So here's the good news. You only have to work out three times a week. The idea of working five, six, or seven days a day is pure crap. If in fact you're causing a muscle to adapt to greater and greater resistances, which is at the basis of getting stronger, muscles heal after it. And it takes about 24 to 48 hours to heal. So if you try to strengthen during that healing phase, you're going to cause the muscle to strain. Yeah. So you never work out more than three days a week. Okay. The muscles only need one to two exercise for any one muscle, and you can cause it to get stronger. You only have to do three sets of 10 repetitions for each one of these exercises. And you have to wait about a minute again for the muscle to be prepared to do the exercise. So what we want to do is if you're looking at a general conditioning concept, what do you notice about your upper body? You notice that everything in the front of you is much stronger than in the back of you because you do everything in front of you, right? Mm -hmm. So the reason that people are having neck pain and, and headaches and stuff is because there's this general imbalance. Well, you 
don't want to strengthen your front muscles while you're doing all this act activity. You actually want to strengthen the upper back muscles. So the muscles between the shoulder blades, the lower trapezius muscle, and the posterior deltoid muscles are the muscles that run across the entire upper back. Those three exercises, if done correctly three times a week, will literally incite the shoulders to be stuck back, the head to be picked up, and you will have gravity running directly through your spine. You cannot incite pain with any activity that way in the upper body. So what sort of exercises can we do for oh, those? I'm sorry. The, the primary weightlifting exercises are for the mid-trap rhomboids. It's an exercise where you're doing a lat pull-down, keeping yeah. your shoulders at uh, your elbows at shoulder height. The lower trap exercise is an exercise where you're bringing your arm towards your ear and never allowing the hand to go below eye level. And post delts is one, instead of standing straight up, you're leaning forward a little bit and you're just moving your arms out to the side about 60 degrees. Those are the three exercises. These exercises are causing one joint to move in one direction, which is what muscles do. So they're isolating those specific muscles. Okay, what that, about yeah. lower back? What can we do to improve right. lower back pain when we're sitting? Because we can't help it. I'm slouching now, but as I started talking to you, I sat up straight. So <laughs> what can you recommend for our back? So again, we're going to look at the typical imbalance that develops. Again, we walk in front of us, stand in front of us, go upstairs in front of us. So our front thigh muscles and our hip flexors are typically stronger than our butt muscle and our hamstrings. Yeah. So the two primary exercises you want to do there are hamstring curl and hip extension, isolating those two muscles. Hamstring curl, you want to do a seated hamstring curl, which you're seating, sitting in a, this machine. Or you could use, by the way, um, all the exercises I described can be done by machine, free weight, or most importantly, through resistance bands so that people can actually do this weightlifting at home, the strength training. You don't have to go to a gym to do this. Um, so all you're doing is you're sitting with your leg basically straight out. You're just bending your knees to 90 degrees. Right. That's isolating the hamstring. Hip extension is where you're standing. You have your knee bent to 90 degrees, and it's as if you were going to kick someone behind you at knee level with your heel. Then the other muscle, remember we talked about that pelvis, you always have to keep your pelvis level or you will end up with problems somewhere in the body. So there's a muscle on the side of the hip and you do hip abduction, which is definitely just bringing your leg from right next to each other to where the outer portion of the ankle meets the outer portion of the hip. Then you put your foot down and then bring it back again against resistance. It's a small motion, but that isolates that muscle that's on the side of the hip. So again, three universal exercises for the lower body. Okay. So Mitch, are these all in your book as well? They're in my last two books, the Pain Cure RX and the Yas Method for Pain-Free Movement. In the back, there are start and finish pictures for every exercise, both showing them performed through resistance band or in a gym. Just one question I meant to ask you. How long would treatment be to cure chronic pain? When you were saying that chronic pain could take three to six months to be chronic pain, if somebody came to you at acute pain, could it, prevent, could it be prevented to go to chronic? And how long would that take? So any type of pain, whether acute or chronic, is always has to consistently be accepted that it's an indication of a tissue in distress. So if we find that the tissue in distress is a muscle, 
then all we have to do is get it to be isolated, work against the appropriate resistance and cause it to where its force output is greater than the force requirement of your activities, right? So people always ask about a time frame. It's not so much a time frame. It's a question of how quickly can you progress the resistances until you've developed enough strength. Strength isn't time related because I could stay at the same resistance for the next two years and it's two years down the road, but I haven't gotten one iota stronger. So it's a bit so, like when you go to the gym, isn't it? And if you just use the same weights, you're not going to get any benefit. You need to increase right. those weights. Right. Okay. So you go to, you watch people in the gym and they're talking, yeah. they're reading. <laughs> yeah. How focused they are don't they? Look any clearly not. Six months later. Yeah. You got to put effort into this, right? So yeah. the reality is though, I can tell you this, you do a Zoom session with me or an in-person session with me. By the end of that session, you will see either a tremendous reduction or a complete reduction in that symptom. That's how fast you change muscle. To sustain it, that's a different thing. It's going to take four, six, eight, ten weeks for you to eventually get enough strength to wear, regardless of your activity, you're not going to strain those muscles. But you will see a change in the first the first session. I, I, I promise you that is the truth. Brilliant. Oh, it's been so good talking to you today. Really informative, really interesting. So for our listeners, where can we buy, where can we buy your book? Uh, Amazon.com is, is the easiest way to find it. And I think it's just Amazon.com.uk. So. And if anyone has any questions about their chronic pain, how can they get in touch with you? You can contact me by email at drmitch at mitchellyas.com or just go on to my website, live without pains, plural, livewithoutpains.com. Uh, there's a contact us button. And if you've decided this is the path you want to take, you can schedule an appointment. I do Zoom sessions as well as in person. Um, at the day, uh, a time and, and day that's most convenient for you, there's a Calendly scheduler there. And so you can make an appointment for yourself. And Zooms are an incredible way of achieving success. I've been doing it six, seven years now, and it's very, very successful. Uh, well, Dr. Yas, I wish you all the best with your book and enjoy the rest of your day in sunny Jacksonville. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Karen. Greatly appreciate it. You've been listening to The Wellness Hub part of the Appetite for Life series by Karen Kelly, sponsored by Everything Genetic Limited. If you'd like to be a guest on this show or interested in any sponsorship packages, you can send me an email, let's talk at karenkellypodcasts.co.uk or visit my website, www.karenkellypodcasts.co.uk.